2: The numbers told the story they always do. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. This is A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander on v Sin. Good morning and welcome into A Numbers Game. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, filling in for Gil Alexander. A good show on tap for you today. We've got a lot to cover. we got more on college football. Tim Murray's going to be with us. Now, Tim does A lot of stuff for the network, but he has written up multiple conferences in the College Football Betting Guide coming out soon, the first week of August, and, of course, is the host of our College of Football Betting podcast, so we'll talk to him about a couple of the recent episodes that they had, including one which we're going to get to in depth today, The American, which is um, the AAC is an interesting conference. A lot of turnover, pretty much like the Conference USA, but like half of it is uh, in there. So we'll talk about that with Tim Murray. Uh, We'll also get a lot going, too. When we kept, we cover, of course, the uh, Open Championship as we continue to keep our eye on that. And coming up in 30, Jordan Sherwood, co-host of the Unnamed MMA Podcast and First Strike, is going to be with us to talk about the card this weekend. It's an early card overseas. Now, I have to open up with this. I am filling in for Gil Alexander, so I feel like we should mention this in honor of Gil since he is not here. Uh, he'll be back next week. Am I, am I quoting that correctly? Yep, last Tuesday. Time, all right, last time I said he was back, back it was actually Matt Brown. So (laughs) (laughs) Gil will be back on Tuesday, Um, but in honor of Gil, I got to tell you yesterday, it was amazing watching Twitter and seeing social media reaction and talking to people who have affiliation with the Washington commanders because yesterday was the day, right? The first day this, the sale was approved uh, by the national football league. So of course the Washington commanders change hands and now we have new ownership and um, everybody was really happy, including the fact that Tim Murray comes up to me while I was over at uh, Circa yesterday, because uh, Mount West Media Days were the last two days, and so I do local on the side, and Tim Murray comes up to me. He's like, you guys opening up with the commanders today? I'm like, no, I mean, it's, I know it's a big deal for you guys, but I don't know if it's that big deal in the nation. But there were a lot, a lot of happy people. Yesterday and celebrating what was going on with the commanders and the official news that, of course, it was approved and that Snyder is out. Now, there's a lot of things that came out yesterday as well that were pretty fascinating. Um, The first of which is, if you look at it from uh, the Snyder Snyder standpoint, $60 million was the fine for him. That represents 1% of the sale price. Uh, So, of course, good things happen to good people. Uh, Only $60 million in terms of the fine. The other bit of news that comes out from yesterday is this. Uh, This is from Bleacher Report, though, but, of course, via the Rich Eisen show, there is, quote, a pretty good chance the new ownership of the Washington Commanders will change the franchise name and have a complete rebranding of the team. So, hey, kind of down with that. I think that's pretty interesting. I was never really a big fan of the Commanders to begin with. Kelly, I don't know where you stood, and you've been with Gil for a while, so I don't know where he stood. I actually was kind of a fan of the Washington football team thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean?
3: Gil is down that route for sure.
2: Yeah, because, yeah? you know, yeah. it's got, like, the soccer, at, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, football club, FC, all that kind of stuff. I actually kind of dug it a little bit. The uniforms look pretty solid, too. So, not a big fan of the Commander brand. No, but I it mean- does look like maybe we're going to get something new here as well. And maybe, was it Red Wolves that was one of the popular selections?
3: So that's That was the only thing I was going to bring up. And, of course, I didn't research this at all. But wasn't yep. that put to a fan vote?
2: I think if I remember correctly, (laughs) so like
3: we're going to change the name, even though we allowed the fans to technically vote on the name.
2: Well, they picked a bad name. If that was the case, they they (laughs) did pick a bad name. We'll we'll be quite honest there. So we'll see what the rebranding is. And again, pretty good chance. That also means that there's a chance it doesn't happen. So I I think that was the big news coming out of this uh, yesterday. But good. Hey, I'll say this for guys like Gil, because I know Gil retweeted it yesterday, you know, his. uh, his uh, monologue, essentially, on Snyder and the ownership, and how it's been being a fan of the team, and how happy uh, he was, and all of that. Good for everybody who's affected by this. And if you're happy about it, awesome. Good for you. Now let's get Artie Moreno to sell the Angels. Huh? Yeah, I,
3: I'm Josh Harris though, coming in in a absolute win. Situation, right? Like, you can't lose. I don't know if you caught the story yesterday, but him calling into the local radio show, I think it was 1063, and they knew they had remotes, like a couple remotes that night, and he went and bought beer for everybody that was all the fans that were at remotes.
2: Getting up the goodwill there. Oh my
3: God. Like, this is when you're dealing with one of the worst owners in the history of sports. Like, you, when you swoop in like this, just doing little things like that, oh my God, you already look like the greatest owner who's ever lived when you do things
2: like that. Yeah. Like, you're already, you're you're already playing with house money and then you come in and start doing stuff like this so uh, a good hey, look start of a new era for Washington and hopefully right being one of those I would call them like a pillar franchise for the National Football League if you start to have some success there that's always a good thing as well because that's a good area and then of course one of the other things that was uh, talked about yesterday too is finding land for a new stadium all those sort of things so big changes uh, coming. And as you put it there from Grant Paulson, Josh Harris just called into the show. said he heard about our parties at old Ox in the bullpen, bought beers for everybody. I don't recall Dan Snyder doing that. Uh, <laughs> what like, come on right
3: away. It's the easiest thing to do. It's, man. Re- it's
2: a real <laughs> shock. Dan Snyder just only seemed like a man of the people. It's, it's a real always. shock. It's yeah. a big upset that that didn't happen. All right. Speaking of big upsets, let's transition over to what's happening across the pond. Um, I think it's an upset the fact that Brian Harmon lit the course on fire the way that he did today, all done for the day, a 65 for Harmon, Uh, a really, really solid round, of course. He birdies four of the first five, and in fact, just birdie two, three, four, and five. Parred out the rest of the way, Kelly, then gets to 18 and has a beautiful putt for Eagle uh, to send the day with a 65, six under for the day and 10 under for the tournament. He's got a five-stroke lead right now on Tommy F, Tommy Fleetwood, who is through one, I think, and I'm, I'm not blind. I think that's still a five under for yep. Tommy. So he did end up parring that first hole. So Fleetwood's at five under uh, the gigantic amateur uh, that we watched yesterday, tear it up, uh, land pricked off to a little bit of a rough start today, uh, four over. (laughs) I watched that for – so when he teed off earlier this morning, the camera zooms in on him, he's got his eyes closed, and he – (sighs) <sighs> and he takes like a deep breath and like breathes out and you're like, okay, that's either he's really focused or insanely nervous. And from the tee shot, I think it was insanely nervous. Four! Yeah, <laughs> yes. So, I,
3: I think it was a, I think there was a four yell on the first three holes.
2: Well, because I, what I like this, so you know, they have like the guys that hold up the sticks. Oh, yeah, yeah. There and immediately, he just starts going, duh, 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 <laughs> like, yeah, just waving it. You're like, ah, oh, man, come on, land <laughs> Hope it's not the case for, him. but yeah, so four over for the day for the young amateur who was uh, lighting it up yesterday. So, we'll see if he can kind of find some even ground so so the story today is Brian Harmon. We do have quite a few guys out there on the course. But if we're talking about, like, big scores and making some, like, head, look, Harmon is the guy by far who has dominated the course. The next best rounds for dudes today, Minwoo Lee, Tom Kim. We'll get to him in a second. Um, Joaquin Neiman. Um, uh, is it uh, uh, Th- Thiegla? Thigala, Thigala, Thank you very much. All at three. No, Where's he
3: at? I got a matchup against. Him.
2: Well, he's at five over for the tournament, okay, cool. but but three under for the day. So yeah, he's yeah. had, you know, I'm talking about scores for today. Yes,
3: in comparison. Yes. yes. To your point, in comparison to Brian Harmon, none of these guys are coming close. Yep. The wind's blowing much harder today. Uh, we expected that. We knew that this also does. Hey, look, it, it, we, we're going to always bring this up. We're at this part of the country, this stuff can change on a minute. It By the weather forecast, this is as rough as it should be basically right now. Should get a little calmer as the day goes on, but not by much. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's What's going to happen is it's going to start raining later, though, too. So the wind will calm down, but the rain's going to come. So the yeah. fact that Harmon's there in the clubhouse, 10 under par, he's really given himself a big lead. And, JVT, we were talking about before the show, this is – I don't want to say mind blowing to me, but because Brian Harmon is a guy who's been on tour for a very long time, and he's a very good, consistent putter. But all this guy's doing, he's taking what the course is giving him. It's fine. I'm just finding fairways, getting on the green, making putts, and that's all he's doing. And he's avoiding these pot bunkers and some of the disasters we saw some of the guys run into yesterday. He's just play. He's making it look easy.
2: Yes, he is. And, and I hope because of what you're saying for the weather projections later in the day, I'm hoping this isn't a case where a guy takes a pretty sizable lead over the like over the field today right. and just has to kind of maintain the rest of the weekend because that makes for a little bit less drama. And it's also, why I was kind of upset watching our guy, Tommy Fleetwood, because being like, ah, man, late tea time, it's going to be kind of tough. We'll see if he can do it. Uh, but right now, again, Fleetwood Pars the first hole. Wanted to mention very quickly before we get to our story of the day, I mentioned Tom Kim really quick. You retweeted the, the quote from yeah. Tom Kim. So for those who don't know, Tom Kim actually suffered a grade one tear in his right ankle on Thursday night. He played through the injury and his team essentially told him, stop being a wimp. Yeah. Let's go. Keep it going. He shot a 68.
3: <laughs> like, <laughs> a 68. Yeah, he had a post round quote about probably having to get surgery and stuff, but playing through it for right now. So Keep your eye on that. If there's any Tom Kim fans out there, yeah, it does sound like after this tournament, he might be laid up for a while. All right, so I like to
2: have fun. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, I'll mention, like, side stories, whatever, you know, get involved with it. So the other day, I mentioned a, a story. It was Hakeem mm-hmm. a uh, filming a McDonald's commercial. Right. And the story was that Olajuwon allegedly ate, you know, over 100 nuggets while filming it. He had to, like, dunk the nugget uh, as part of the commercial. So immediately, our downstairs crew does a fantastic job. Isaiah Rinkle, who's part of it, alleged that he could just, oh, 100, 100 nuggets in 100 minutes, no problem, easy. right? Easy.
4: Yeah, Easy. easy.
2: Well, now we're up. Here's the challenge. So, starting in the next if, – if the timer's going to start in 10 seconds. Yep. He's got 100 minutes to get 100 nuggets down. For he $100. Gets, he gets $100. And we he, got, we've
3: got we got a new wrinkle into the challenge, yep. JVT, and Isaiah's last name is Wrinkle. Yes, we got a new wrinkle in it. I'm declaring this right now because Tommy Fleetwood helped me chop a first-round leader bet. So, he's got 100 minutes to complete 100 nuggets. He gets $100. If he does it in half the time, He's got one of two choices. He can take an f- additional $50 from Tommy Fleetwood from me, or I will take the whole crew bowling and buy them beer. Okay. So Isaiah has to make that decision. Will he be selfish or will he play for the crew? What was it? So like choice. Is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sophie's <laughs> choice.
2: All right, let's see. So we start again. I want to stress too, 100 minutes, there's no speed element involved here, so there is no warrant, there's no hazard. Isaiah, you know, take your time. You got 100 minutes to get these down. So this is going to be the, this our Nugget Cam. We'll check in every once in a while. He gets his sauces.
3: Oh, we've got multiple cameras.
2: Yeah, so we'll see if uh, he could pull this off. But there was a lot of confidence to the point where we were going to actually up the price. We were going to give him more money. We were going to be willing to give him more,
3: but he immediately settled on $100.
2: It was like, not nah, going can do it.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew I could start low with Isaiah because he'd accept it right away. I was willing to go much higher than that, yeah. But I, I knew how cocky he was. It's also where I had to throw in this little side bet. We'll see if he can get it done ahead of time.
2: All right, with that, we're watching John Rahm wrap up his first round. He is one over for the tournament. He has got a putt for par for about four feet or so. We'll see if he can sink that, and we'll keep our eye on the Open Championship as we move on throughout the entirety of a numbers game. When we come back, though, uh, we'll revisit really quickly. We got to hit on Major League Baseball. We had a really big series get started yesterday in the American League. East, as we do how now have a, a new leader. Ooh, Rom rimmed that thing out. So he's going to finish the day um, two over for the tournament. Let's get it done, Wrinkle. Come on. Nugget counters at five. Keep it going. It's a numbers game here on VC, the Sports Betting Network.
0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: A numbers game on v the sports betting
2: network. Time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app at MGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting boosts and odd specials and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID. Open an account. Start placing sports bets for anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to let BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms. Got to be 21 or and Physically located in Nevada, please gamble responsibly. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Uh, I want to make a quick note before we get to Major League Baseball. Uh, This is somewhat important. So uh, the uh, American women are in action later today. They, of course, uh, will be taking on um, uh, Vietnam. Sounds like, because they're massive favorites here, sounds like we're going to get some minutes restrictions for some of the uh, -the longer-in-the-tooth vets for the U.S. women. So that's going to be something to watch because, of course, when you're talking about a uh, massive favorite and a massive goal spread – people might want to be aware of the fact that uh, maybe some of the best players won't be on the uh, field. For the entire the pitch, yeah, so,
3: hey, I don't know. It sounds like some some of them still need some warm up time or something like that, which might be how they're treating the the game against Vietnam
2: today. Yes, it sounds like that's the case. So uh, uh, Rose Lavelle and uh, Megan Rap- uh, Rapino, excuse me, is going to have their minutes managed to start the Women's World Cup. Julie Ertz fully fit to play, so that's something worth noting. But it, 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 I don't know how. Look, I'm not going to pretend to understand power ratings and impacts on players, but just worth noting to anybody out there that maybe that's going to be something that could affect this uh, right now. The U.S. women, minus 20,000 on the three-way, a 50-to-1 draw there. And uh, we can go through some of the others in terms of spreads and whatnot. But uh, right now, just worth noting, they play later today, 6 p.m. Pacific time. With that, really quickly, last night in Major League Baseball, I wanted to go over a couple of the results, the first of which is the Baltimore Orioles. uh, A very good story. The young team building up the right way. You know, it's really great to be a fan of a team like the Angels and watch teams like Baltimore just surpass them. And building up by sucking the right way. Um, but the Orioles yesterday come out, get a comeback win over the Tampa Bay Rays. How about that? 4-3 win for Baltimore to get this thing over Tampa Bay in extras. Uh, and a really good performance. The Rays, who get off to that historic 13-0 start, uh, wins in 30 of their first 39 games, falling out of first place for the first time in 2023. And you look yesterday, man, first off, you come back, you're able – uh, to get that game all knotted up. But the Orioles there in extras, uh, when you come out and you have um, an interesting situation early on, when you talk about Felix Bautista coming in, giving up a free runner in that extra, but then coming out, striking out the next hitter, and then, of course, inducing a uh, double play to end it, or at least end that top half of the inning. Orioles are now at leading. Uh, that was one thing that I was pretty wrong about. It's not something I bet, but I threw at Will Hill one time when we were here. I think it was on this show. Where it's like, you know, do you look at Baltimore and maybe one of those teams that could kind of be uh, regressing a bit and maybe a candidate to fall out of the wild card race? Not the case. Uh, The Orioles seem like they're going to be every bit of a contender here. And it opens up an interesting door here, Kelly, because I think if you're Baltimore, a team that didn't do much in the offseason, was content with rolling out the, the youngsters for the most part again and seeing what you had. Now the trade deadline, I would think it's all signs go. Like, let's go buy. Let's go get some stuff. Let's try to get this thing done because clearly the Rays are not the team. Look, they're good. I don't Mm -hmm. want to – but they're not as dominant as they showed through those first 39 games. This is a division that we can win. It's an American league that is absolutely wide open. Like, the, the Rangers, of course, look very good offensively, but we know about the flaws that that team has. The Astros can't gain ground on them. The American League Central is what it is. Like this is a perfectly winnable uh, league right now. Why would Baltimore not start to get aggressive at the deadline and try to shop? I mean, again, I don't think he's getting shipped. But if you're one of these teams that wants like a rental, if you're like, why not call the Angels about Otani? Why not go do something? Try to make a move that would actually help your team in a big way. I think Baltimore should be a
3: buyer. Yeah, yeah, I, and I don't even know if it just comes to Otani. I just think if you're, if they, I right. just think if you're the Orioles, you got to think about it more of. Like, I think when the, the years you find yourselves in situations like this, you have to go for it. Because how many years are you truly going to be first in the AL East on July 21st, right? When mm-hmm. you're playing with the Yankees in the Red Sox, um, I, I mean, and you could maybe throw the Rays in there, too. But, I mean, we think the Blue Jays have a bright future. I mean, how many times are we really even going to see the Orioles in this position? So, I'm with you. I would be out there buying, 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 try to run this up while you can.
2: Hmm, Sorry, I got distracted. I got distracted by something. Uh, All right. So with that, too, I just wanted to note if you looked at those odds right there, like for the league odds, for example, the Blue Jays were five and a half games out of that uh, American League East division, of course, uh, still in contention for the wild card. Better odds to win the American League than the Baltimore Orioles at this point right now. Better odds for the Blue Jays to win the World Series than the Baltimore Orioles right now. And again, it's a long season. Nothing is guaranteed for any stretch. And the Orioles could go out, lose the weekend to the Tampa Bay Rays and fall out. It's just really interesting to watch the Baltimore te- this Baltimore team continue to play the way that they are and just kind of like there's like this um, resistance to what the market is doing with them. The other thing that was worth noting from yesterday, too, as we get into the weekend series and what's going to be important, uh, but how about yesterday? for the Atlanta Braves, and namely, when you're talking about some of these performances and individual performances, uh, yesterday for Atlanta, when you're talking about Strider, um, six innings pitched for Strider, but four earned runs, 13 strikeouts for Strider, but when you're talking about this NL Cy Young and how important each one of these games are uh, to go out there against Zach Gallen and have that performance against Arizona, seven to five win, both pitchers perform relatively, like, okay, not great, it was pretty interesting to watch that dynamic as as you were looking yesterday. What are we doing? How many of
3: you Look, my man's already through 33 of them. But, this I, is going to be easy. There's no way. He's doing 33. That's what we got on the counter. Unless the boys are lying downstairs.
2: That's insanity.
3: Is that Isaiah, there it is. Gobbled up. Yeah, look at the empty boxes. 33 okay. nuggets in what? 11 minutes.
2: Yeah. He, he might crush that. I mean, now here's the thing. I've done food challenges before just really quickly you always start strong oh yeah it's yep. how you finish it's how you finish so he has until the 850 mark uh, of the 850 PM, yeah, yeah. or 850 a.m Pacific time yeah I
3: told I told him to let me know how he's doing halfway through once you get 50 50 nuggets down oh man. You gotta be hurting a little bit.
2: Yeah, so we won't. Uh, we, <laughs> you can't throw that up. You can't distract me like that. <laughs> you can't do that to me. But I wanted to. I wanted to bring that up yesterday because we were talking about that um, that dynamic, right, of Strider versus Gallon and how that was going to work at the top of the NL Cy Young. And Strider comes out and have, has an average performance, six innings pitched, four earned runs, does strike out thirteen, got taken deep twice. Gallon came out and was again, we'll call it like average to above average, seven innings for Gallon, which is solid, but three earned runs, uh, got taken deep twice as well. Uh, this has been a fun series between Atlanta and Arizona and Atlanta needed a little bit of a late comeback played at eight at the bottom of the, uh, or should be flooded four at the bottom of the eighth to eventually win this thing. But I am fascinated by this dynamic in the NL Cy Young and what this is going to mean moving forward for a gallon for both of those guys. And the fact that we continue, you know, to look at that and the rest of the um, contenders for that award kind of fallen by the wayside. And it does seem like on paper, it's a two horse race for those guys uh, but overall, I think there's a few more contenders for this thing, but we'll see. Uh, by the way, the guy that I was making a case for in the NL Cy Young um, for a while, right, where I was like, hey, man, why does a guy like Marcus Stroman continue to dip? Strowman went out yesterday and got absolutely nailed by the St. Louis Cardinals. Three and two-thirds, seven hits, four earned runs, only struck out four against St. Louis and a win for the Cardinals, which, by the way, I feel like we should mention this too. Do we just Do we just monitor this really quickly? Cardinals are now, do I dare say, do I dare have hope here? 44, and 53. People they're winning. did, like, in May. They, they, right. <laughs> they're Right. They're, they're winning baseball games. Everybody, including me, I think I've got a 20-1 to 1 ticket on them to win the National League. Something Do like that. Oh, yeah. That yeah, yeah. I bet, like, two,
3: three months ago. I remember, I remember everybody, what was it, like, probably middle of May, everybody being like, look, it's a slow start, but this right. team's got a great roster. They'll come back. It's a great time to buy on. And I'm like, like, you know, they kept losing. It was like, really? Really? Are we sure? Are we sure? Are we sure? It's so, gonna now happen. we finally hit the point.
2: I mean, what are we talking about? Baseball
3: season is long enough where that stuff can happen.
2: I mean, when you're 10 games out in the NL Central, it's pretty tough. Eight and a half games out of the wild card. Got a lot of teams to lead. Probably not going to happen, but hey, better late than never, right? Speaking of which, too, uh, good for Milwaukee, who, like, this team continues to kind of distance itself in the uh, NL Central. Look for a while that Cincinnati was going to surpass them, but they got the two series uh, that they performed really well and only won, uh, lost one of those games. They've now won their last two, but they're 8-2 and two in their last 10, 54-43, and, and two and a half games up in the NL Central. Uh, as far as today is concerned, really quickly, because there is a pretty you know, deep card, a lot of these series are getting started later today. I did want to note uh, Shohei Otani is going to get the start today, for the Angels, and as we know, uh, Otani last time out, because he'd been dealing with this uh, issue on his hand, did not perform well, and his last two starts have not gone well at all because he been dealing with this. Only five innings each time out, nine total earned runs, so an ERA of 8-1 uh, over his last two outings, has only struck out 12 over those two starts. Angels today are dollar ninety favorite over the Pirates, starting a, a very opportunistic series for um, Anaheim, because if they can get this series and continue to try to claw their way out of this hole in the AL wild card, it's massive. But the question just here is, How's Otani, and how's he going to pitch today? Because the last two starts, because he's been dealing with this um, issue on his hand, you wonder if this is going to be something that's going to carry over or if he's going to be much better. Because obviously, with him on the mound, the Angels is going to get really priced up. But the last two starts, if anything, have indicated that Otani is really still dealing with something. And they tried to put that cover on his finger. Uh, that didn't really go well against Houston. So we'll see if he's felt any better since uh, what are we talking about here, about uh, a full week since Otani's last start. So a full week can make a big difference. But he's been hitting, so... We'll see if that's going to be it. But $1.90 for the Angels later today. Pre-game uh, total, eight. Shaded to the over at minus 120. All right, we got plenty left to get to. Uh, we'll get back to an open, uh, we'll update the open championship as well. See what the leaderboard's like as we do have these late guys getting out there. Uh, and the Nugget Cam, of course. Keep an update on what's going on with Wrinkle. Looks like he's going to crush this thing. 100 Nuggets in 100 minutes, man. The Sports Betting Network. It's your last chance, folks. End of July. This is all over. The NFL betting guide's out. The college football guide's coming up in a couple of weeks. So get in on our offer. $175. Gets you access all the way through the Super Bowl to everything we do here at Vsin. You can sign up monthly and get your first 30 days for only 19 bucks to see everything that we have. But the offer for 175 ends on July 31st. So don't miss out on this preseason deal. Visit vcin.com slash subscribe and get in on the action. Yeah, the college football betting guide is going to be awesome. Finishing up uh, the win totals and bets that I'm going to submit for the guide as well. You putting anything in? No?
3: No, I was not asked. Uh, it was on the email.
2: There's an email. Oh, is it just me? Hmm.
3: Yeah, just you. Yeah. What are you doing, Mount West Conference again this no, year? No, I was actually talking to Tim. Adam Burke decided I wasn't
2: good enough for that. I guess. Really? Yeah. So it's Tim Murray who's doing the. Uh...
3: What'd you get demoted down to? Are you doing Nothing. like uh, nope. uh, FCS schools? No, they're just hey, if you got <laughs> if you got
2: some best bets, submit them. So I'm like, all right, cool. Hey man, I, 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 look, Adam Burke and I have a rocky relationship.
3: Wait, what does so cool. it what does it go like uh, FCS and then there's NAIA, right? Is that the next one down? Sure. I think, yeah. You'll handle those. I
2: things. won't speak to that because I don't really know. So uh, I will never – I sometimes I'll speak on things I don't know. Uh, but with things I don't know, we welcome in smart guests like Jordan Sherwood, who, of course, you can find his work on First Strike. You can follow him on Twitter, Wood on ESPN 1000. Jordan, it's always good to talk to you. Uh, always appreciate the time. So let's start right off the bat here. Uh, walk us through overall this card – Seems like it's a pretty good one, but I want to start at the top at the main event before we get to the rest of the cards. Tom Aspinall, Marcin Tybura, minus four seventy-five. The price over at DraftKings for Aspinall, uh, Tybura is at plus three fifty. Haven't seen a ton of move here, so walk us through why Aspinall is this big of a favorite and does he deserve to be? And especially, I'll preface it with this: in a heavyweight fight, where I feel like there can be, uh, you know, some variance when it comes to these big guys going at it.
4: Yeah, JVT, this, I mean, this fight this fight card is going to be great top to bottom because it's a European focus. They're not often overseas, and they're in London live at, in prime time for the home crowd there. So it's a little bit earlier start for us to watch. But, yeah, I mean, Tom Aspinall is, is all the hype behind him. I mean, he is considered to be a potentially a future UFC heavyweight champion or at least a UFC uh, heavyweight contender. He's got all the tools. He's got good boxing. He's got a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's extremely athletic. And he doesn't waste any time in the cage, uh, you know, dismantling opponents either early in the first round or, you know, early into the second round. The one time I'm going to recommend you maybe take a pass or a flyer on a, as big of an underdog as Marc- marcinte Bora is It's this type of situation, because we have not seen Tom Aspinall in over a year. It was a year ago that he fought Curtis blade. He threw a leg kick 15 seconds into the fight and uh, completely shattered his ACL and MCL. So, who knows what that recovery was like if this is too quick of a turnaround for him to get in there in a main event fight and a big time opportunity for him to cement himself as a heavyweight title challenger against a guy in Marcin Taylor that's what? 7 and 1 in his last eight fights, a guy that's never been submitted in his mixed martial arts career. So you're asking A, Aspenal to do something to him that it's never happened, or B, a guy that's really a tough out. You know, Ty has been in there with some heavy hitters like a Greg Hardy, a Walt Harris, and Neither one of those guys knocked him out. So, um, I, I mean, I think logically Aspinall should win this fight. It's a favorable matchup for him. Come, But the hesitancy for me, as big of a favorite as he is, JVT, is, again, what is he going to look like when he's actually in a fight? You can yeah. train all you want. You can rehab all you want. But what's going to happen when he actually steps into the octagon? That's why I wouldn't recommend any play on Aspinall, especially at that number.
2: Uh, every single number in these markets would indicate that this thing is not going to go the distance, Uh, you know, round under one and a half is minus minus one ninety-five to go the distance. You're getting seven to one. Um, What do you make of just the way this plays out? Are we going to get a finish? Is the market right in pricing it this way? Or is that just slanted because these are two heavyweights and there's a little bit more of a chance this goes a little bit longer.
4: No, no. I, I, I I think we will see a finish. I mean, in all likelihood we'll see a, you know, kind of a, uh, a, a typical Aspinall fight in an early exit for his opponent. I mean, the guy doesn't waste any time. All his wins have come inside the distance. Uh, you know, the t- two times that he's lost, three times he's lost, two of them uh, have been inside the distance. So, so Aspinall doesn't go to the judge's scorecard. Uh, and, and look, you know, the, there is an opportunity for Marcin Tabora to maybe get you know a finish there as well. So I think... I'm not maybe confident on the under at one and a half, which with price out priced out there. So maybe you lay a little juice and go under at two and a half, just to be safe. Maybe is a little tentative coming out of the gate again after that injury. All
2: right, co-main event is a flyaway bout McCann versus uh, Stolyarenko. Uh, walk me through why the market is uh, moving against McCann. Some spots had her well over three dollars, but we're seeing I didn't even think Fanduel opened minus four hundred. We're down to minus two fifteen, minus two o five. Why the moves against McCann here in the
4: market? Look, because Molly McCann's not as great of a fighter as she's made out to be. She gets a lot of hype because of her association with Dave Portnoy and Barstool and the fact that, you know, of her three latest wins uh, have come by spinning back elbow. So you don't really see that often, J.B.T., but, like, they weren't against great opponents. They were favorable matchups for her, and they were both in London, England, with the hometown crowd behind her. Uh, And, this look, this is another favorable matchup. You know, Stroy is is a is a good fighter, but she had success before she got to the UFC. She now won in five in the UFC. She's finished in a in a bunch of different fights. Uh, the the thing is though is I, I think we're going to get this fight headed to the ground. I think we're going to see a typical Molly McCann fight. She's not going to mess around the feet. She's going to take this fight to the ground and try and just like like grapple and and control. And that's kind of also in the Stray Lincoln wheelhouse. You know, all her wins are basically like Ronda Rousey style via armbar. So. I think Molly McCann wins the fight. I think again it's a pivotal matchup, but I don't think she's going to win inside the distance. I think this is a typical women's fight. It's a slow grinder of a fight, and I think you can get plus money right now at Molly McCann via decision. So I think that that's what we're going to see. Um, you know, Molly McCann kind of reverting back to what we know her prior to this. You know, this hype that's been built behind her. Uh, with, the, with the Barstool Association.
2: Is there a point where if this price continues to dip, that just to win the fight outright, you know, uh, is that worth it? Like if it gets to like a minus 185 or anything like that? Because it, it only seems to be heading in one direction.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a spoon-fed fight for for, for Molly McCann. Okay. If you could get her under $2, dollars you play it for sure. Uh, you know, Lanko I think, is on her way out of the UFC. She looks fine on weigh in. That, that was a little bit of a concern, her making the, the cut fly away. But she looked fine. But I think, again, Rainbow Master for Molly McCann. She should win the fight, but I just don't think she's going to finish her like she's been doing against uh, you know her previous two wins uh, uh, in the octagon.
2: All right, I want to ask you about one more line move that I noticed. That we'll get to some of the other bouts you have your eye on. Uh, Andre Muniz, uh, some spots open at buck sixty-five, up to well over two dollars minus two twenty-five against Paul Craig. What's your read here and why the market's moving in Mooney's favor?
4: Yeah, yeah, well, I'm not. I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, okay. look, I think the concern was Paul Craig making the jump down from light heavyweight to middleweight, but he looks fine at the weigh-ins. Uh, he's always been a relatively small 205er, so I think actually this is a good, smart decision for him to fight at one eighty-five. Uh, and he's got one of the best guards in, in mixed martial arts, and he's taking on a guy that's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, so he's going to want to go into his guard and look for a submission. Yeah, Muñoz will probably be the bigger fighter. He'll be the fresher fighter and the better on the stand-up. But I think hopefully these guys go to the ground. So actually I, I'm going to recommend a small flyer on Paul Craig. I think the Bear Jew, uh, you know, this is the right division for him. He's a finisher. He's a guy that's very comfortable off of his back. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of if both guys going to their strength. Uh, I get why Munoz is, is favored because Paul Craig's been in a heck of a lot of fights before. But I, I think we could get a submission from Paul Craig out of nowhere. We have seen Munoz you know, have a, a stinker, and this could be one of them.
2: Jordan Sherwood with us, co-host uh, of the Unnamed MMA podcast, but you want to check out his work on First Strike as well. Uh, all right, Jordan, so let's uh, go, go anywhere you want on the card. Any fight that we haven't hit on that uh, you have a bet on that you would recommend still at the current prices available?
4: Yeah, sure. So uh, Mark Diacopi and, and Joe Alvarez are lightweights that are fighting on the prelims. You know, Diacosti, you know, came into the UFC with a, a very good striking background, uh, has reverted to wrestling of late. He's been kind of tentative with his, uh, with his striking and looked pretty awful his last time out. He'll be, You know, he'll have a little bit of momentum with the home crowd behind him, but Joel Alvarez is a massive lightweight with an unbelievable guard and very difficult striking to kind of mirror in training camp and work through. And if is not relying on his striking and is going to look to wrestle, that's his comfort level. That's right in Joel Alvarez's real house. And I like Joel Alvarez, even though he's a favorite at $1. ninety. I think it's a good price for him. So I think he wins a fight. He could win it inside the distance, catching a submission, or you know, he's going to win on the feet, uh, you know, outstriking Diacopi for three rounds.
2: All right, I like it. Anything else you want to leave us with?
4: Yeah, I'll say um, uh, Mahmoud Muradov against Brian Barberena. Barberena's going up in weight. He's always been kind of a smaller, welterweight. Now he's going up the middle weight. I think Muradov, though, is going to win via decision. He's a big favorite, like 350, 325. But I think get him via decision by Marbarin has always been a tough bout. He's been submitted the last two times. He's been in the octagon. But Muradov is not a submission ace. He's more of a grappler, or kind of control you, kind of like I was talking about with Molly McCann. So I think you get plus money, Muradov, to win via decision.
2: All right, last 60 really quickly. Any early thoughts on Makashev versus Oliveira, too?
4: Uh, it's so hard for me to pick against New Bronx, even though I did it. Yeah. You know, did, you know, did it the first time and it, it didn't do well for me. But I just love him. He's just so. I think he was just off that one fight uh, against Makachev. So even though the, the money and the public and all the line is going towards Islam Makachev, uh, I think you can't bet Charles Oliveira uh, against him because he's just so dangerous on his feet and in his guard.
2: First strike where you get all of recent podcasts. Check it out now. Jordan's on there all the time. Jordan, good to talk to you, man. Thanks a lot. All right, JBT. Talk to you soon. Got it. But on ESPN 1000, you want to give him a follow. Every time I look up, Kelly's got a smile on his face. I feel like it has something to do with something downstairs.
3: Oh, we're slowing down. Yeah, we're I slowing down. I told you, down. man, you
2: start out strong. You yeah. always, always. He started always.
3: off too fast. He's slowing down. All
2: right. Well, we're not going to slow down here. Tim Murray's going to join us next to get his thoughts on everything college football. Tim's been doing an awesome job with the College Football Betting Podcast, getting ready for the upcoming NFL season, and, of course, writing for the College Football Betting Guide, which you want to get today. Beeson.com slash subscribe.
0: You can listen to the Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: A numbers game on
2: VSINT, the Sports Betting Network. You can place a no-run first-inning wager with confidence at BetMGM. Make a no-run first-inning prop bet on any Friday MLB game. That's today. And if only one run scored in the first, you're going to get your stake back in bonus bets up to $20. Take big swings all season long with BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Log into your account. Sign up today. BetMGM Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms. New and existing customer offer. Often required. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-mortemable bonus bets. They expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. And if you have a problem, 1-800-GAMBLER. Offer not available in D.C., Kansas, Mississippi, Nevada, and New York. A quick update as we effort one, Tim Murray. Um, so I was talking to you. First off. Wrinkle's slowing down.
3: He's slowing down. Um, Stuck on forty nine.
2: That's that's the thing. Like I told I told you two things. I have experience doing this. All right. First off, you always start strong, which Isaiah did. What thirty three in the first like fifteen minutes yeah, or something it was like, like that. Eleven minutes. Yep. Yeah. Um. But also that the taste gets to you. You can love the food. The taste. The repetitive taste will get to you. Now he does have the right thing because he's got different sauces and all that kind of stuff. But it's still the same base food. And what did he tell you?
3: Quote: It tastes really chickeny.
2: Yep. The taste gets you. It could be the most <laughs> delicious food, but there's something mental about the repetitive taste. That's why I think when I watch these hot dog eating contests, right? Like when I watch Joey Chestnut, I'm more impressed with watching not only just the amount, but the fact that they fight through the taste. Oh, it's incredible. All right. So again, to reiterate for anybody just joining us, Isaiah's got to eat hundred nuggets in the next hundred minutes. Uh, the cutoff time is 8.50, so he's got just over an hour to finish he's this. He's going
3: to miss up. the bonus. The bonus he's done. Yep. That, that he has got, he's got 13 and a half minutes to complete yep. that.
2: Well, a bonus is that we get to t- t- talk to Tim Murray. Uh, Tim Murray. Wow, I can get through it. Sorry, it's a little early. It's Friday. Uh, Tim Murray is with us. Uh, on my way in, was listening to a fantastic <laughs> podcast, of course, the College Football Betting Podcast. I'm catching up as they are going through the conferences one by one. Uh, Tim, it's good to talk to you. First off, uh, I saw you yesterday uh, rubbing elbows with the, uh, the Mountain West Elite. How was Mountain West Media Day for you yesterday, huh?
5: It's been great man uh, it's you know it's first class event and uh, you know you certainly have more experience with uh, the mountain West than I do working with UNLV, so this is really my first time kind of getting to chat and, and interact with the folks there and talk to the coaches but we had a blast I mean we had a couple coaches come by the studio yesterday uh, they were appreciative of coming on visa and we loved it too so uh, it, was, it was really neat it was uh, you know it was cool obviously for for the uh, you know media days to be there at circa so um, you know, this
2: is, uh, okay. I think we might've lost it. All right. Well, for, we got some, uh, we have some uh, challenges, uh, but here, what he's talking about with the Mount West, as we noted too, you know, it's a pretty good conference. I will say, um, we mentioned when we did our Mount West preview at the beginning of the week, Fresno state is the team to look at. I think in that conference circa had them at four to one. So I did add Fresno state to win the conference at four to one over there at circa. Uh, Because they've got a lot going back. But the Mountain West is a pretty fascinating conference, as is Conference USA. And I will say this because I got when Tim and I were kind of chopping it up yesterday about the conference, and if we get him back, I was going to ask him about this. Tim, uh, Tim, let's talk really quickly, because you and I were, t- were talking about a specific team out there in Conference USA. Um, yeah. You're in agreement with me, right? That when you're looking at a team out there in CUSA, uh, like UTEP, that's got a lot coming back in a conference that's like, changed over completely, that has multiple teams that aren't qualified for it. Like UTEP win total, you two have to win that conference. It's a little bit more live, right, than the numbers would indicate?
5: Yeah, I think so, JVT. I mean, you look at let's look at their schedule real quickly, and I know that there's some connection issues. So hopefully, we can uh, hold this strong here. But uh, if they open up with uh, a win in Week Zero against Jacksonville State, where they're about a point underdog uh, against a a new team in the FBS, uh, you know they should be two and zero against an Incarnate Word team that's you know kind of changed everything over. You got to remember, Incarnate Word's whole staff went to Texas State, brought a lot of their players with them, so. That's not the same incarnate word. Maybe we've seen in recent years, and and then they play Northwestern JVT, and yeah. you know, with everything that's going on in Northwestern, um, I, I can't assume that's going to be a victory. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is a team that you know, if you look at Phil Steele and, and his preview magazine, he's very high on them and, and the returning production that they have. Uh, FIU is going to be down at Sam Houston State's a new program in the FCS or the FBS, excuse me. So. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of opportunities out there. Win total sitting at 5.5. I think William Hill in here in town is minus 115 to the over. So, the bet that I've made, uh, UTEP over 5.5. I think this is a team that absolutely could get to, to bowl eligibility. And I'll say this, you know, last year they won five games, JVT, in what was a better CUSA. Their final game of the season was against UT San Antonio. And uh, you could see that they were fighting, trying to get the bowl eligibility. And You know, when I play these win totals, um, you know, play it over a five and a half, knowing that this is a program that really hasn't been to many bowl games. I know there's a collective eye roll sometimes about oh, bowl games they mean nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, in a conference like CUSA with a program like UTEP, they don't go to many of them. So I think you're gonna get if we get the five wins, I think they're gonna you know you're gonna see a really big time effort to try to get to that sixth win, no doubt. So yeah, I think UTEP uh, if if we can uh, if we can win that week zero one game a uh, week zero game. Against Jacksonville State Jbt, uh, I think you 're sitting in pretty good shape with an un overwin total
2: and the other team that stuck out that we talked about really quickly as well, and I brought this up when we previewed it on Tuesday or whenever we talked about it. I thought Liberty was a little overpriced. I mean, you're talking about just eight returning starters. Uh, you know, Jamie Chadwell comes over now to take over the program. Uh, I think there's a lot of turnover here, and I think a lot of what we're looking at for odds, right, plus two forty to win the conference, a win total of nine is essentially a pick. A lot of that is due to what we've seen from Liberty the last few years, and I don't think it really represents the tr- like the turnover that we're seeing from this program. I- am I right in thinking that Liberty's a little overvalued here by the betting market?
5: Yeah, I do think they're a little overvalued in the in the. Um... In the uh, the futures market, for sure, uh, because of the success that they've had. The only reason I wouldn't be saying race to play and, and under is their schedule is it might be the worst schedule or the easiest schedule in college football this yep. year. I, they they play nobody. I mean, they play their conference foes. I mean, think about it. In years past, I think they played uh, four. F, I think they played four power five teams last year. They played Virginia Tech, Arkansas. Uh, they played Wake Forest, and if you want to throw in BYU as a Power 5, now that they've joined the Power 5 ranks, uh, they're there as well. So you know, this is a program, to your point, that got off to an 8-1 and start last year, was ranked in the top 25, and then all of the uh, rumors about Hugh Freeze started to, to really come about, and, and then they kind of fell off a cliff a little bit. But, you know, you look at them against Power 5 teams, they covered against Wake Forest, uh, they beat BYU outright, they beat Arkansas outright, and then they lost to Virginia Tech uh, late in that season. But, yeah, a lot of turnover there at Liberty. I do not expect them to win this conference this year. You know, I I, I don't want to be chalky, but I mean Western Kentucky in that conference is just really good. I mean, yep. the conference is down. They lost some of their best teams to the American Athletic Conference, obviously, uh, none bigger than UTSA. Um, but, yeah, you know, on the pod, Adam Burke, who wrote up the conference for our betting guy, he loves Western Kentucky. He played the overwind total. So, uh, you can listen in and, and see why, but uh, they're just really good. They bring, in, uh, bring back Austin Reed, their quarterback. So uh, they're the rightful favorite, but I don't think Liberty, I agree with you, probably shouldn't be the second favorite in my opinion.
2: All right, let's talk about Cusa Light. Um, the AAC, this has been incredible watching this. You know, when we were talking about <laughs> Conference USA, like all the good teams are like, ah, oh, let's go to the American. So now you have the AAC, which is pretty fascinating two lane defending champ 210 to win this thing. SMU, the second choice, these are odds via DraftKings of plus 360. But in, in going over the team and listening to you guys on the college football betting podcast, in a, a conference that is essentially half the one that you were playing in, why are we not looking at like UTSA and being like, Hey, man, like. This team might be pretty live to win this thing with everything coming back at quarterback. Uh, the note, if you could, with everybody—you know, their leading receiver last year leaves, but the guy yeah. who was actually leading before injury—like, there's a lot going on with UTSA that you can like. Their win totals only seven and a half. And you get them at four to
5: one. Yeah, UTSA. I mean, I think I would say of the teams that make the changeover uh, from uh, from CUSA, which is you know UAB, Rice, North Texas, uh, Charlotte. Um, they're the one that, that's ready to make this jump. Um, you know, they've been, they've been recruiting at a high level. Jeff Traylor uh, probably won't be at UTSA very long. Uh, Frank Harris is back. But if they had kept Zachary Franklin, and I know wide receivers ultimately, JBT don't mean necessarily a ton to, you know, a point spread on a week-to-week basis, but it would have just been really nice for this team to have, you know, the best receiver in school history back. But, yeah, UTSA, I think, is a team that absolutely is going to be live Schedule out of the chute, man. At Houston, Texas State, which should be a win. You get Army at home, and then at Tennessee, which I think will be a fun game on September 23rd. But yeah, I mean, they play a bunch of AAC teams. Uh, They don't play Tulane, or excuse me, you know, CUSA teams. I meant. So yeah, I think the schedule is pretty manageable there for UTSA. So uh, if you can go two and two in the non-con, I think you are on uh, on the path to uh, to getting over that win total.
3: All right,
2: Tim, we appreciate it. I know we're up against it here because um, I was going to ask you about another team, but we'll save it for our analysis because I think the other interesting squad is Florida Atlantic with Tom Herman, who's got a bunch of returning yeah. talent, uh, but his first year there. Uh, let everybody know what's the schedule for the podcast. What do you got coming up in terms of episodes?
5: Yeah, I'll do it quick. Uh, we had so many interviews from Mountain West Media Day, so we're going to compile all that. That should be out at some point you know, this weekend, and then uh, going to do some favorite win totals. Uh, from the Big 12 and the SEC next week, and then uh, then we'll have the guide out, and then we're just going to re- revisit all the big time conferences. Uh, you know, come uh, coming a couple weeks.
2: All right, Tim, podcast awesome. You're doing a great job. It was good to see you the other day, and keep up the good work, man. We'll talk soon.
5: All right, JBT, see you, man.
2: You got it. All right, we'll take our break here. When we come back, I uh, will update two things: the two sporting events going on right now, the Open Championship and the Nugget Challenge. Which I think Isaiah Wrinkle is—I'm uh, going to say it—he's going to fail.